Oh, it's 21 minutes to 12 right now. So what I think we're going to do is do some magic. And there we are. Ask you to join us on Facebook Live if you have a moment and you're an animal lover. Because that is where we will find Dr. David Gething, who today's got some great creepy crawlies to tell you about. So let's say hello. Hi, Dave. How are you? Good morning, Phil. How's things? Not too bad at all. Somebody sent me an email yesterday asking about screw worm flies. Is that correct? Or screw worms, they yeah. said. <clears throat> this is something I would, unless someone asks me, I'm not sure I'd talk about it on the radio because it's probably the most one of the most disgusting things we see in veterinary medicine. But it, I guess something we should cover. Absolutely. Yeah, all right then. Well, what is one? I've got a picture, actually. It's pretty nasty, but why don't you tell us all the story? If you have any questions for David, do join us on Facebook Live. Uh, just anything you like. doesn't have to be this. What do you got? So screw and fly are, uh, well, it's a type of fly. It is a, it lays eggs, and it only lays eggs in wounds of living animals or people. Um, the eggs hatch, and they form little larvae, the maggots, and the maggots... I dare say it ate the flesh of the the living animal or living living, and we see this in Hong Kong. We see it in dogs. Um, what you get is you get a dog has a, a wound, like a scratch wound or a cut or a bite, yeah, and you know gets a little bit infected, gets a bit pussy. That attracts the flies. The flies lay eggs in the wound. By the time we see them, we see this dog with sort of a wound full of maggots, and it's it's like something out of a horror movie. It's absolutely disgusting. I've got a picture of one here. And it looks nasty. I think I've got the right thing. I mean, not too many things are called screw worm, are they? In fact, because it looks no, like a threat. And look, we have a we have a we have a new world screw worm, an old world world screw worm. In Hong Kong, we get the old world form. Um, interesting enough, it's only been here since about two thousand. So it's not been something here forever, but it's it's you know coming to the environment later. How did um, it get here? That's a very interesting one, David. How did it get here in the first yeah, place? Yeah, I mean. It, it has existed in sort of Africa and, and Southern Asia for quite a while. It's also been in China for a while, Papua New Guinea and so forth. I would wonder whether it came over on, you know, an animal on a ship or maybe sort of something like that. The actual screw worm fly, the larvae, only lives in the tissue for about a week or so. Mm -hmm. um, but it's obviously been brought in here somehow or another. Not common to have a, a bug, you know, so recent history coming in here. And we used to see a lot of it. We don't see quite so much as we used to, but... but it used to be one of those things we see all the time. Still see cases. Um, still definitely see cases. Is it is and it curtains when these things... T um, I believe, I believe actually, the, the, the person who wrote to me this morning, without giving me any details, said there, that uh, he knew of a case here at the moment. I mean, probably a friend or whatever. Yeah, so it, it certainly happens. It happens most commonly in outdoor dogs, especially in dogs who get into sort of fights or scraps because they cause wounds. Yeah. Um, and the it is definitely very, very treatable. Oh, good. Um, That's a start. It, it's, yeah, it, it, this sounds really disgusting, but the maggots <laughs> actually kind of eat the dead tissue. And so actually when you clean it out, it can heal quite well, funny enough. Um, it's one of those horrible jobs in veterinary medicine to have to sort of clean out because you have to do a combination of using tweezers to pull these maggots out and using sort of flushes of insecticide to, to kill them all. Um, I don't want to put anyone off their lunch, you know, coming up, but, but essentially you you go in one day and you remove as many as you can, then you come back the next day and you find a whole lot more and you have to keep doing this until you get all the maggots out. What about um, the dog? What kind of... How's it for him or her? <laughs> it's, it doesn't... I mean, the maggots apparently actually eat the nerves as much as eating the tissue, so apparently it doesn't hurt as much as you think it does. 
Um, it seems very, very itchy. You know, dogs really go at it and itch at it. Mm. It doesn't seem painful as you'd think. But you also see them in some horrible locations. Like you see dogs who step on something and get a, oh a, a cut on their foot and they get the worms in their foot. Or a dog who bites on something gets a cut in their mouth and get the worms in their mouth. Yeah. Um, I hate to say this, but there was actually a case a few, well, it must have been two or three years ago now, in uh, a, a senior citizen's home in Yunlong where the, the people got it too. So it could happen to humans as much as dogs. Okay, easily? You have to have an open wound. And I guess that's one good thing. It won't just affect normal healthy tissue, but even something as small as a scratch is enough. All um, right. Join us on Facebook Live if you want to have a chat with David because I've got, I've got one this juicy picture of this thing here, this screw worm. Now, if anything that's got like a big tube opening at one end, you know it means business. And this thing does. It's like one of those sand monsters like from Dune uh, or Beetlejuice or something. I haven't seen the picture you've got, but it's really the right thing, but they are kind of disgusting little creatures. Um... Yeah, and especially when when you see these animals affected by them, it's normally in dogs who are kept outside, normally in dogs who are not watched quite so closely, because it takes a while to have a wound that gets infected, that gets the worms. Mm. Not always the case, but not. Um, by the time we get to it, uh, nobody in the hospital wants to be the, the, the vet dealing with that one. So you can't just go in and, I don't know, people will assume, well, do you knock the dog out or whatever, I don't know, but you can't just go and do this in one fell swoop, right? You can give it a go, but quite often you can't get all the worms out. These worms are not silly. They will, as soon as they you sort of they, they send someone to try to pull them out, they'll all scurry away and sort of bury deeper into the tissue. Um, so you normally have to do one or two rounds to get everything out. Okay. Um, sometimes if you get a really, really mild case, you can just give the animal medication to kill the worms. That's enough. Most cases we deal with need surgery to fix them. Ah, okay, that was really my question. These things are very tough. They're very hardy, aren't they? Some of these insects, you have to go a long, long way to get rid of them. Yeah, and this, this is the problem, right? It's a, It has, although I will say it's become a little bit easier lately with some of the more modern flea and tick treatments. Those will also prevent, you know, screwworm fly, lice, heartworm, fleas, mange, everything. So you can get these sort of all-in-one preventative tablets now. And I'd say if you have a dog who's living outside, absolutely must be on something like that okay fair enough is this um are these medications you don't really mentioned these before as something that you must put in i mean you always talk about having jabs and inoculations and stuff but let's add this in shall we well actually i guess this is a good point uh, you know <clears throat> we we have huge problems in hong kong with this disease called tick fever you know tick bites a dog uh, ticks like this little brown crawlings beetle thing tick bites a dog injects a parasite into the dog really the parasite gets into the bloodstream, damages the blood, makes the dog really weak. Yeah. Uh, no vaccination, but certainly being on tick prevention will help. Is it basically an insecticide that you're giving the dogs? I guess it is in, in the sense that it kills bugs, but it's not insecticide like fly spray. It's much D more modern than that. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, much, much safer than that. Um, and, you know, people say to me, oh, look, I'm not really sure about giving my dog a medicine to, to kill fleas and ticks. What happens, about it, what happens if it has a bad effect on him? Yeah. And I say to people that I see hundreds of dogs every year who have tick and flea-borne diseases, 
I'm yet in my whole career to see one dog I know has had a bad reaction to flea and tick medicine. Good. Um, I'm sure it can happen, but I'm saying in the balance of safety, you're much better off to prevent these things. All right, then. So just to go back where we started, talking about screwworm, any questions for David, morningbrew at rthk.hk, or up on our Facebook post, of course, as always, we're right live now, uh, morningbrew is the page. That's the easiest way to get an immediate answer. You said this is a fairly new visitor to Hong Kong. Is there anything else we need to be looking out for that's related to it? Uh, I mean, this came in 2000, so it's been here for 20 years or so now, but it's new in, in sort of terms of most of the diseases here. This is like, and this is kind of one of the really interesting things about veterinary medicine here is it's very much an evolving thing. Yeah. You know, when I first came here, I saw a lot more distemper. I saw a lot more parvovirus, these sort of old-fashioned diseases. These days I'm seeing much more leptospirosis, more tick fever, um, so we do get changes in what we see over time. And I guess that's one of the reasons that as vets, we have to keep quite current on what's going on. Um, tell you what, I've just got a real quick email here from uh, John who says, uh, please tell him Frontline doesn't work anymore. Obviously doesn't for John. I would tend to agree with that. Frontline, okay, so I'm going to show my age here. Frontline came out the year that I graduated, and that was 22 years ago. Um, I remember going to a big launch party for Frontline, and it would have been the greatest thing ever that had come out. There's nothing like it before. It was wonderful, but nothing lasts 22 years. You know, there's always resistance to develop. So I, I would agree that Frontline is not as good as it used to be. It, it's okay, but it's not great. Um, he says he uses a thing called Provecto. I don't know if it's a brand or a, okay, so a formula or what. Yeah, so this is this is a tablet called Provecto. Uh, I I'm not sure if it's plugging a product, but I actually use it for my own dog. Well, what is it? Uh, what, what I mean, what difference is a frontline? Shall we say? So it works in a different way than frontline does. It's a pill. Uh, it's given. It lasts for three months. Uh, it sort of comes in a tasty, chewable tablet. Yummy. Seems really, really well for fleas and ticks and screwworm fly and you know all these other sort of mange kind of bugs. Yeah. Very very. It seems to work well. <clears throat> you know, if you go and Google Provecto, there's been one or two reports that sort of causing adverse effects in dogs. I've never seen that myself, but it's something I do warn people that any medicine can have ups and downs. Um, Dave, you've mentioned Frontline quite a lot over the years, and it's interesting. Why would a well-known treatment suddenly not work? Do things mutate and change biologically? This is evolution for you, right? You know? If you have uh, 100 fleas and you treat them all with frontline and two of those fleas survive and they go on to breed, they're the tougher fleas yeah. and they will have tougher babies. And those babies are treated by frontline, they get tougher and tougher and tougher. And this is, this is the same as antibiotics, right? This is why nothing lasts. Is this, is this a topic of conversation amongst vets that, you know, there's going to be a half-life, if you like, on certain compounds and we know, kind of, that we're going to have to rethink after an amount of time? Oh, look, every, everything that we're fighting, some kind of evolving organism. And I'm thinking, you know, fleas, ticks, bacterial infections, viruses. I'm also thinking things like cancer. And you look at the sure. chemotherapy drugs, well for a while, and then they tend to sort of, in specific cases, they tend to get worse in that patient over time because the person's cancer gets smarter as well. So absolutely, for a lot of things where we're fighting a disease, the medication will only last for a while. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, that pretty much happens in all sorts of treatments, right? Actually, but the other interesting thing we see is we we go through using a treatment for a while and it gets sort of less effective over time, so we switch away to using something else. Yep. Give it four years, come back to it, and the resistance is gone, and we can start using that product again. So there is a cycle of, of, of you know, 
valid use for these things. Well, let's t- let's talk about invaders, as that's where we started off talking about screwworm. I mean, what? How do the jungle drums work, if you like, just here in Hong Kong? You mean as far as how do how do things come into Hong Kong? No, how do word you know word gets out? I mean, some to, is there a vet vet bulletin board or something you know you need to know for instance when the screw worm came here several years ago hey listen out there's a new thing so look i mean there's amazing there's amazing uh association here the hong kong veterinary association they do a really good job of publicizing things and they were they were super on point when COVID was going through releasing information yeah. i actually got more info sort of inside track from the veterinary association than, than from the government or anyone else i would i would assume that then a lot of their information was what covid doesn't do because obviously we're tr- crossing species here and, and also kind of these firstly they will they will help us understand the scientific reports that come out and and, and get you know get feed through for the scientific reports sure but there's also anecdotal evidence your know, anecdotal reports maybe not about covid but certainly something like screwworm there'll be a case where someone's had a screw and fly and then that will get sort of passed along through the veterinary association or through our colleagues. Yep. There's kind of a great network like that here. And and that's actually developed since I've been in Hong Kong. When I first came to Hong Kong, there wasn't quite so much uh, of a network. It seems much better than it used to be. All right, and let's have a question from Tommy who joins us on Facebook Live. Welcome back, Tommy. He said, is it the case for cats as well that Frontline doesn't work that well anymore and is Provecto for cats too? Obvious question. So uh, to answer your question, yes and yes, frontline is probably not quite as effective for cats as it used to be. On saying that, the main thing I worry about with dogs is ticks and tick fever, where I want to have 100% perfect control, and frontline's not great for that. For cats, we're more worried about fleas, and yeah. frontline is not too um, There is a Brevecto for cats, uh, available as a drop on the back of the neck, works really well. Um, I like that. I'm going to be honest with you and say that for my cat, I actually don't use flea and tick medicine. Shock horror, the vet doesn't treat his own cat for fleas. What do you do then? But my, well, my cat, in fairness, my cat never goes out of the house and I'm not really sure he has that much access. My dogs, I definitely treat for, for, for fleas and ticks, but my cat just never sees them. So I, I figure if you don't need to use medicine, then don't do it. And coming On from saying, vet, that's cool, actually. <laughs> my, my cat has had fleas twice in his life. Yeah. And I think both times he caught them from me. You know, then I'd go see a and I come back and the house. <laughs> and in those times, I certainly treat them, no doubt at all. And I don't want to sort of, I don't want to turn people off doing I treatment. What I'm saying you is... You don't treat- want to pill push your animals, your, pet, your pets. Exactly, right? Yeah, if it's necessary, do it. So if you have a cat who's living on the 35th floor of a high rise and he never goes outside, maybe you don't need to be doing frontline or any flea medicine every month. Okay. Um, well, Tommy, well, I'll I'm tell you what, um, perhaps you can just, in one or two words, tell us where you are. You're in the countryside, you're by the beach, whatever. Might be interesting to know because, obviously, he's a cat lover and needs some, needs some juice. Oh, look, let me, let, me, let me give you the other argument for this. I see some cats down in Sheko who go sort of wandering around the, the gardens. Absolutely, those guys need to be on yeah. plantic stuff. No kidding. And a whole lot of so, other stuff, probably, as well. Hey, listen, when, when, I mean, when a medicine is starts to be known to not being quite as good as it used to be did the company jump in and say we're redesigning now we're refurbishing ah they have you you could be in the marketing game they did release frontline plus a few years ago which was slightly different formula uh meant to be a bit more effective yep um they also sometimes will start dropping the price of the medicine and and don't get me wrong if someone at home is using frontline and they've got a box of it don't throw it away it's 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 
It's 98% effective, but it's not quite as good as something. Yeah, I mean, today the feeling is, well, it might not be. I mean, you know, John, who wrote earlier on, said it doesn't seem to work now on John's cats. Tommy says he has an outdoor enclosed area for cats, so they do get fleas and ticks. Fair play. Yeah, in that case, I'd probably go for Brecto. Uh, I think it's a great choice. Uh, every three months, you know, you can use it as a dropper, works well. Um, seems to be very, very safe. So I like that one. Tell me a bit about the resilience of fleas. I mean, the old enemy. We've been talking about screwworm this morning, but just give us a bit of a recap on fleas. These guys are as hard as oh. a coffin nail, aren't they? I have got someone I'm seeing at the moment, and every month I go around and treat this dog for fleas. And, and these guys are doing the best job of it all. But one of their neighbours has got fleas in their house. And so no matter what we do, these little fleas come back again and again and again. Fleas are just tough little creatures, and they're really fast-moving. Um, they the other, the other weird thing about fleas is fleas lay eggs that will go down into the floorboard. Oh. They're actually responsive to vibration and movement. So if you move into a house where someone hasn't been there for six months, as soon as you walk in there and start walking around, all the flea eggs will hatch, and you have a flea flea problem. Yeah. Um, which I thought was just incredible with the fleas. Yeah. yeah wait till someone's around. Quick PS from Tommy. He lives in a farm in Yunlong. See you later. <laughs> You need Brevecto, my friend, I think, or something like that. You need something a lot more than that, actually, I should imagine. Um, And when it comes to prevention rather than, you know, annihilation of all these various bugs, is there anything that works? You know, people like to say certain compounds insects don't like on your plants. Is there anything? I mean, I know you're going to say just go and get them fixed, but is there anything? I've seen this. I've seen people using these sort of ultrasonic emitters and people using these special collars that, that, you know, radiate some kind of energy. I'm not sure those things work. I don't mind people using them, but I'm not sure they work. Random Um, question, and you've just reminded me of something here. To finish up, what effect does actually putting a collar on particularly a cat have, if any? Does it it send him a bit nuts, basically? I think at first, for dogs and cats, they find it a bit weird. They try and sort of kick it off and get it off. The biggest problem we have with cats, this is actually a really good question, you have cats who go outside, they have a collar on that's not quick to attach, and they'll get it caught on a fence or something mm. like that. They can actually they can end up choking themselves on the collar. Yeah. If you're going to put a collar on your cat, make sure it's the kind that can sort of has a, a detachable, you know, a detachable clip so it just falls oh, off and the cat gets. I've often wondered about when people bells and rattles and stuff. I mean, it must drive a cat spare. It is now considered the wrong choice to put a bell on the cat's collar. Yeah. It's actually the. The Humane Society says it actually annoys the life out of them. And, 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 and they don't know what it is, do they? Well, and the other thing with cats, dogs that annoys the life out of them, cats get good enough when they're stalking to learn how not to move their head. So, Because the, the idea is the bell rings and it sort of scares off the birdie so the, the cat doesn't catch it. The cat now knows how to walk slow enough how to cool. stop the bell ringing. Yeah, so the bell doesn't work. Don't do the bell. Stealth cat. Thanks very much, David. Going to leave it there. Nice one, Tommy. Enjoy the farm and the fleas. And uh, thank you to John for the screw worm email. David, we will do this again sometime very, very soon next week. Take care for now. That's our vet, Dr. David Gething.